going to be looking at a story this morning about a guy who also has a new lease on life. That uh, kind of thinking that, that, that this part was over, but God says, no, 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 it's not going to be over. Really, really, I've been so looking forward to this message. I was telling Pastor Earl before the service, worked on this when we were down in Florida uh, with uh, Jared and Patty Smith and Kim and Evie Hirschberger, and, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Take out your note outline. I'd like you to interact with the text. Jot in the margin, Isaiah 38 there is a parallel account that gives some interesting details not included in this account. In other words, you've got uh, two narratives regarding the same story. But I'm, I specifically chose the Second Kings account for a number of reasons. Follow along with your pen or pencil. In those days, Hezekiah the king became ill and was at the point of death. And the prophet Isaiah son of Amoz, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die and you will not recover. Now that will get your attention in a hurry, won't it? Watch. Hezekiah watched two specific actions. I want you to circle those phrases. Turned his face to the wall. What's that mean? and prayed to the Lord. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Those two distinct and different actions. He turned his face to the wall, circle it, and prayed to the Lord, circle that as well. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Broken man. Now watch. Before Isaiah had left the middle court... In other words, pretty quickly, within maybe a few minutes, maybe within an hour, the word of the Lord came to him, go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. Now I'm going to have you underline the, the, the different actions that God takes, and you're going to be underlying five, six different phrases, watch. I have heard your prayer. Would you underline that, please? I have heard your prayer. Seen your tears. Underline that. I will heal you. Underline that. On the third day from now, does that sound familiar? You will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add, underline that, 15 years to your life. And, what's the next phrase? I will deliver you from this and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. What's the next phrase? I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, now notice, not only was there prayer and the word of God involved, but watch how you, now you begin to see the medical part of it. Prepare a poultice of figs. They did so and applied it to what's the direct object of the verb apply? Boil. John, in your margin, it could be translated tumor. Apply it to the boil or the tumor, and he recovered. Isaiah had asked Isaiah earlier, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day, second time we see that phrase, from now? And Isaiah answered, watch this. 
This will be the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps, can be translated degrees, or shall it go back ten steps? Verse 10. It's a simple matter for the shadow to go forward ten steps, said Hezekiah. Rather, have it go back ten steps. Then the prophet Isaiah called upon the Lord, and the Lord made the shadow go back the ten steps it had gone down, watch this, on the stairway of Ahaz. Wow. Interesting story. I'd like you to, as, as comes in no surprise, I'd like to give just a little bit of a setting, a little bit of a historical background. If we can have the first slide here. I want you to notice, uh, and by the way, jot in your margin, 2 Kings 18.2. 2 Kings 18.2 gives us this information. It reads, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. So all you have to do, if he reigned 29 years and he was 25, you add those two together and subtract 15. And what that does, that, that tells you the amount of time that he reigned. It says he was told at age 39... He started at 25, at age 39, some of you are 39 or 40-ish, it's at that point that God says to him, you're going to die. Dude, you're going to die. Now, at the age of 40-ish, to be told that, again, that would tend to make your liver quiver. I mean, that's going to get your attention. You're going to die. So, this gives you just a little bit of the time frame of how old he was. Let's look at the next screen, please. This phrase, the last phrase in the text we read, the shadow on the stairway of Ahaz. Ahaz had been a king previous to Hezekiah. What we don't know, again, the shadow, the shadow on the stairway or the steps, it can be translated, as I said earlier, degrees. It was some way of measuring time. Scholars are in a debate in terms of what this, what this was. It could have been, take a peek, it could have been a sundial showing degrees. That's probably not what it was because it's identified as the stairway uh, or on, of, of Ahaz. So chances are this is probably what we're dealing with. Now, what's kind of convenient is that the, some of you will rec recognize this because we stood in this very location. This are the steps leading up to the temple, and that is the wall of Suleiman the Magnificent that was, um, that was built a number of years ago, but it's where the original wall was for the Temple of Solomon. Interestingly enough, we are looking, this wall right here on the platform is in a northerly direction, correct? If I ask you right now which way is north, which way are you going to point? It's not exactly this way, it's a little bit more this way, see? So, it, what it's doing, it's coinciding with this. 
I am standing, just like I'm standing right now, we're standing looking at, at this would be the southern wall, we're on this, what's called the southern steps, looking at the wall. Now, what, I want you to notice what we see here. On these steps, you see shadow. Most scholars believe that this would have been the staircase of Ahaz. And what happens, as we're sta- we were standing here just a few months ago with the team, this shadow continues to move down these steps. Now, what happens as the shadow moves down these steps, where would the light source be? The light source would have to be over here, shining this direction to cast the shadow, correct? Which means what time of day, this is what direction? Over that way, that's the west. So this miracle probably happens in the afternoon. What's happening, the sun is going down this way in the west, and as it gets lower, the temple is casting its shadow on the stairwell. And the shadow continues to grow further and further. Now, what you might say is, yeah, but, but Pastor Joel, the temple was destroyed. The temple's been destroyed. First temple, second temple's been destroyed. It was no longer there, and this is not the original. You're absolutely right. And these are not original steps right here. These are limestone that are made. But let me call your attention to these steps right here. Do you see how different these steps look right here? Why do they look different? Bedrock. They are carved out of bedrock. These steps right here have been there since antiquity, chances are Jesus' sandal would have been stepping on these steps right here. When it says the Apostle Paul, when he was a Pharisee, studied under Gamaliel, they studied on the southern steps. What that means is that the Apostle Paul probably sat or stepped on those steps as well. So just to recap what's going on, as I'm standing here, my back is to the south, I'm looking to the north. If I would turn around, standing right there, and look this way, do you know what I'm looking at now? The city of David. If I would take just a few hundred yards this direction and steps, I'm at the palace of King David. By the way, the foundation for David's palace is still there. It's up on a hill, and as you stand at the palace of David to this day and you look down on the Silwan village, you're looking down on rooftops. Does that ring a bell? David went out on his palace and looked down on the rooftop, and whom did he see? See, it, you can still see it geographically when you're there. The Silwan village where Bathsheba would have lived is down in that area. Chances are, Even in the days of Hezekiah, this is where his palace would have been. And so if this is the palace of Hezekiah, and Isaiah says to him, you're a dead man. Hezekiah is lying in his palace, looking out the window to the north, and what does he see? 
Do you understand how geographically this thing is lining up? And he goes, what's going to be a sign that I'm going to recover? And God says to him, I'm going to leave it up to you, dude. We can either have this shadow continue down this way, or we can have the shadow go back. And what does he say? And by the way, there's a reason he says this. I want the shadow to go back. Okay, so what we've got, this gives you a little bit of, per, of perspective of what's taking place. Now, for that shadow to move, look at the shadow on the wall of the cross over here. Do you see the shadow right here? For this shadow to move, one of two things or both have to be true. Either you have to move the light source and the shadow would move, or what's the other thing you got to do? You got to move the object or both. Well, chances are you're not going to move the temple. So what probably moved? The light source. See, I'm just trying to help you understand the context of what is taking place here. Number three, given the choice, Hezekiah requests that the shadow move backwards ten steps on the stairway of Ahaz. Why would he say that? Because for the shadow to creep down further, that could be explained very easily by a cloud. All you have to do is have a cloud come over the sun, and now the shadow is cast even further. But Hezekiah is smart enough to realize, you know, what would be impossible would be for the shadow to recede. It's impossible. Cloud's not going to do that, dude. There is no way you can make the shadow go backwards. So that's what he requests. He asked for the shadow in verse 10 to move backwards to reverse 10 steps, and that's exactly what happens. Now, I'd like to suggest to you this morning, just having a little bit of the historical and just, just geographical perspective on this, I'd like to suggest to you Three takeaways that I think are going to pierce your heart. This is takeaway number one, practical insight number one. Hezekiah responded out of devastation and desperation. I've told you this before. Pain has an amazing way of altering your response. When you are desperate enough And when you're devastated enough, you will tend to pray. Am I correct? Oddly enough, often when those things are not happening, our tendency is not to pray. Which is why the Lord often allows us to get into difficult situations to cause us greater dependency upon Him. Notice in, this, in our story this morning, Hezekiah's first response was prayer. When he's told, this is what's going to happen, watch, response number one, I'm going to pray. Let me read to you a quote. If you want to make prayer your first response in a crisis, Make it your first response in non-critical situations first. 
If you want prayer to be your first response in a crisis, you need to learn to develop the pattern of it being your first response on minor stuff. I've printed for you here out of 2 Chronicles 30:18. Has a cut to, to prove this point. Watch. In another situation, how Hezekiah responds. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the Lord, who is good, pardon everyone who sets his heart on seeking God, the Lord, the God of his fathers, even if he's not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary. And the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. You see, what we've got here is biblical evidence for the fact that Hezekiah was a praying man. He prayed about other things, and the Lord honored that. And so is it any wonder that in a tough situation, his first response is prayer? He had developed this habit of praying in non-critical situations. I wrote this down. Because Hezekiah developed a pattern of responding to God in prayers in the little things, it became an automatic response to respond in prayer to the big stuff. I need to learn to cultivate this better in my own life. I tend to be a guy who's, who's prays in desperate times. So do you. But do I pray over the little stuff? It's a discipline I need to continue to cultivate so my first response isn't to, isn't to worry or talk with the people or put my prayer chain or do anything. No, no, no. My first response needs to be to pray. Now, what's interesting, I had you circle that phrase, what were the two, the, the two actions that Hezekiah engages in at the beginning of the story? It says, he turned his face to the wall, do you see that? And he prayed. What's the, what's the principle there? In order to pray to the Lord, you not only have to turn to the Lord, you have to turn away from something else. You've got to be willing to turn away from something else. I need to be willing to turn away from, from fear. I need to be willing to turn away from worry. How about this one, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa? I need to be willing to turn away from having to figure it out on my own. Some of you are dealing with a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter or a prodigal husband, a prodigal brother, and you're worried sick. And you toss and you turn and you worry about it and you fret and spit and gag. and You know what? I not only need to turn to the Lord in prayer, but by definition that means I need to turn away from having to figure it all out. By the way, you're not going to figure it all out. You're not going to understand. I've told you this before. If you insist on bowing at the altar of understanding, you will be sorely disappointed. Because somewhere in a famous book it says, do not trust in your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. And see, that's part of where I get myself in a ditch. I think if I can understand why this is happening in the life of my son or my mother or my brother, if I can understand it, I'll figure it out. And God goes, you're not going to understand it. My ways are not your ways. Since when do you think you're going to understand it? As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. You see, your problem, Joel, is that you're trying to understand it. You need to turn away from this understanding issue and turn towards me in prayer. That's response number one. 
Number two, what's this tell you about the Lord? God responded out of compassion and grace. All right, I'm going to heal you. Now, where am I getting that? How can I say that God's responding out of compassion and grace? Because Hezekiah was not a very great guy necessarily. Watch, I've printed a te- text for you. Second Chronicles 32, 25, watch. Hezekiah's heart was proud. He did not respond to the kindness shown to him. This happened earlier. Therefore the Lord's what? Wrath was on him and on Judah and on Jerusalem. You see, if I were God, and we can all be thankful that I'm not, if I were God, I'd say, you know what, dude? You're proud, you're arrogant, you're sinful. Besides that, my wrath is upon you. Well, so now, and by the way, you're going to die. So Isaiah, I mean, Hezekiah weeps bitterly and turns and prays. If I were God, I'd say, you know what? Too little, too late, Jack. It's not what God, how God responds. What's that tell you about? You see, you're making the mistake of thinking all the stuff I've done. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. I've got this skeleton in my closet. i got this in my past. I did this. I'm not a very nice person. I do this. I do this. I, I, I don't deserve God to answer my prayer at all. And you want to know something? You're absolutely right. You don't deserve it. Which is why, if you go back and look at what you underlined, watch how God's grace is greater. I have heard, I have seen, I will add, I will deliver, I will defend, I will make. Those are words of grace, my friends. Man, isn't this good news? Don't you, don't you need good news today? Huh? Man, I tell you, I do. I mean, my discouragement meter starts doing this, if you're anything like me. And you know what? I, I continually need reminded. Don't interpret God's delays as God's disinterest. You have been praying for a loved one, a brother, a daughter, your marriage. Eh, nothing's happening. Don't interpret God's delays as God's disinterest. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And let me leave you with one, and I tell you what, when I, when I discovered this principle, it was like biting into a buzzsaw. Jot it in, here it is. God's miracle involves shining the light where the light had formerly been. I don't know if time went backwards or not, but it seems like the story indicates that which was once in shadow is now in light. Let me say that again. Listen to this. That which was in shadow, that had been in the light, but it's now in shadow, 
it's now in the light again. God has the ability, listen, to reset the clock. Because right now, you're looking at the shadow. There is a shadow over my marriage. There is a shadow over the life of my daughter. There is a shadow over the life of my prodigal son. There's this shadow over our health. There's this shadow over our church. There's a shadow. I mean, you, you fill in the blank. And I think the promise of hope in this story is that God has the ability to make the light shine once again on that which is in shadow. You see, to you, when you look at the shadow on the steps, it looks permanent. It appears irreversible, unable to ever change. You see, you are so used to seeing the shadow that you've given up any hope of the light ever shining again. And I am here to tell you this morning that God can make the light shine where it had once shined before. And I have no idea what you're dealing with in your family or in your marriage. But I'm telling you, and incidentally, that's why it's called a miracle. Because he, he can make it shine once again. You remember when it had shined at one point in this person's heart, in this person's life. You see, God is giving Hezekiah another chance, beloved. God will give you another chance. I have no idea. You may have come here out of habit. You might be a visitor. But I'm telling you what, right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to people's hearts. And what he is saying to you is that it looks like it's over, but it's not over. You think, you know, maybe I'm a failure. Maybe our marriage is doomed. Our son will never come back. My daughter, she's just my grandkids. I mean, now they're, they're lost. I mean, it, it will never improve. It will never get better. And then you look at these two verses I've put at the bottom of your note outline today. Zechariah 9, return to the stronghold. You prisoners of hope, even today I declare that I will restore what? Double to you. Job 42.10, and the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. God is still in the business of shining the light where there is now a shadow. And he can give you hope and he can give you renewal and he can do a change in people's hearts just like he did a change in the heart of Hezekiah. But it takes an attitude of humility of saying, I'm going to turn away and I'm going to turn toward and I'm going to trust in the God of grace that he's able to do miracle. Do you need miracle in your family? Huh? It's not going to happen by you trying to figure it out or are you trying to, trying to manipulate along the edges or trying to make it happen? It happens when the God says, you know what? I have heard. 
I have heard, I have seen, and I will restore. And you're looking at a guy who went to a prom 50 years later, something I never thought would ever occur again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're in the business of giving people a second chance. We are people who need a second chance. We have loved ones, Lord, who are in shadow. And it looks impossible, as if nothing can be undone. The shadow is where it is. It can't be reversed. And God says, you want to know something? I am going to continue to do a work that you would not believe even if you were told. I will do the impossible and cause the light to shine where at one time it had shined. Lord, do that in the hearts of our loved ones. Do that in our hearts as we anticipate the summit coming up. Renew marriages as we saw in the video this morning. The light shined again where it had once shined. Lord, we ask and pray and humbly request that you would do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Joel. Would you please stand and together we'll bless one another. After I've pronounced the blessing, if you'd like to say, and also to you, in that way we'll bless one another as co-heirs in Christ. May you turn to the Lord in prayer. May you have confidence that the Lord's face will again shine on you. And may the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit give you peace. Amen. You are loved. Go with God's grace.